Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, notorious Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. Say what? Doc G, what's up, sir? Nothing much, man. I have heard by popular demand you want AA in your in your name. You you want your your credentials yes. in your name. Yes, it's, associate. So, yes. so so does the crowd. <laughs> I will next next week. Everybody, he's gonna. It's gonna be added. That's right. And like I said, when I'm gonna put my diploma right here. Yes, my degree. Yes, my degree. Sorry, I like it. <laughs> I like it. The old sheepskin behind you. Yeah. I like it. Yes. I uh, you know I I I think Mike it 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 adds a little bit of. What do you what do you say? Notoriety. It adds a yeah. little bit of uh, mm-hmm. just 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 so the credentials, you know, the credentials mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like it. I ha- what are you a scale zero to ten, Mike? Where you at? Hmm. Um. With what? Like my life or like? Yeah. Living? Right now, living. I'm like a nine. Point eight. Okay, probably little bit yeah. down from last week in the Costco food, <laughs> but I still like yeah. it. Yeah, well above a yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing well too. Good. You know That's me. Good. My well is much lower than yours. My, I'm doing. <laughs> it's like a seven. But that's that's, that's good. That's good for me. Yeah. But I'm concerned about our listeners, Mike. Word. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm concerned whether or not they have a good relationship going on. Hmm. You know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting colder. We're we're inside a lot, you know. When it gets Ooh, cold, yeah. you you want to have that person you can you can turn to, you know. For sure, you For know. Sure. Not me so much, but other people <laughs> need to have that person, yeah. you know. A human connection. Yeah, sure. yeah, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, because I, I I was worried about that. It just so happens that the folks at the Guardian were worried about that too. So true. And they came That's out good. with a. Uh, uh, an article that gives us 56 red flags that should tell you you shouldn't continue a relationship with that person. Okay. So if we have listeners out there right now that are like, you know what? I'm involved with this person. I don't know. Hmm. Should I continue? Doc G's telling me I need a person to be with. Should I continue with this? We can tell you that. That's a fact. We can give okay. you that information, Perfect. you know? <laughs> so so right now, listeners, if you're looking for that person and you're not sure if you want to keep them, we got you your information. Now, just for clarification, listeners, me and Mike, we don't need this. Nope. Mike's in a relationship, and relationships in general give me night terrors. So mm-hmm. we don't need this. But for you guys, no. this article is going to help you out. So, Mike, they've... They've categorized these red flags into six categories. Basically, in order of when they happen in a date, essentially. So, uh, I'm not going to go through all 56. That would be insane. I'm going to hit a couple of these. So, the first category is first impressions. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, the the one, one of the red flags I wanted to highlight here was... The person cancels the date at short notice. 
<laughs> yeah. Which you dread flag. I mean, yeah. But like depending on the situation. I sort of yeah. think like you I think thought at the start of that, Mike, that if 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 somebody cancels the date, wouldn't that mean they saw a red flag in you? Ooh, true. <laughs> yes, this is true. Wouldn't that mean they were like, mm, this person mm. sort of an egg. I'm gonna get out of this thing as fast as I can. I mean, you know, just a thought, <laughs> but I I mean, you can't really like. I feel like this red flag is just making yourself feel better that somebody doesn't want to hang out with you. I think true. that's more like, you know what? It's them. <laughs> It's totally them. I'm not going to talk to them anymore. Hey, they didn't want to talk to you. No, 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 no. I didn't want to talk to them first. That's what's happening. No, no. (laughs) Mike, second category we have here is table manners. So there's things I could nitpick all over on table manners, so that makes sense. Uh, The first red flag, this one surprised me, Mike. I think they were just sort of grabbing for things because I don't know if anybody still (laughs) does this or not, but insist on ordering for you huh <laughs> what i'm being chivalrous what mike you've never done that have you no 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 like i i de- I, I definitely agree with this one I, I will say sorry i order like if she tells me what she wants i'll order like I'll say, oh yeah, yeah. She, she wants to get this well, but i'm not like but that, that's like if she's going yeah. to the bathroom and stuff yeah. you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I totally agree with this one. Like, I don't care what your gender is uh, or what kind of relationship relationship it is. <laughs> relationship. Uh, really, yes, relationship. <laughs> After the age of seven, nobody is ordering for me. Like, he will mm-hmm. have, yeah. I will not. You are not my food. I will order this. <laughs> Thank you. Like, it's a serious, serious time in, a, in, the, in your life. When you're ordering, mm-hmm. Mike, this is a big decision. <laughs> it's a huge decision, and I'm not letting yeah. it. Oh, I've been here before. I don't care if you've been here before or not. I'm ordering. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous, Mike. Anyways, I'll have the chicken tenders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These are going to be delicious. Uh, next red flag. This one I do not agree with. Definitely not, Mike. Orders only water for to drink. Hmm. They said that's yeah. a red flag. What? What? Yeah. Nope. And they they said the reason they argue this is if they order water, they don't see this going anywhere, and they're trying to leave fast. Uh, I would argue they're just being healthy, you know? Yeah. At worst, they're just being frugal. Either either way, it's not that they're trying to get out of the date. Like, just because they don't order a... Coke float during your meal. <laughs> hey, you're not going to get seven drinks? What's the matter with you? Come on. Come on. Like, Party. I just, I yeah, I don't, I was like, come on. That's a little bit what of about a reach. soda water? I get a soda water. Oh, That's really my go-to. I like that. I like that. Yeah. That's sort of international right there, Mike. <laughs> you get some sparkling water. You're sort of classy. Yeah. You know? In my, in, in my opinion, maybe other listeners are out there like, no way. <laughs> uh, sparkling water? Refreshing. Uh, next category, Mike, is conversation. Mm. So the first red flag they have in this one is talks about people you don't know. Hmm. Which I can, I can sort of agree to a certain extent with this one. 
Like if they're just going deep into com like deep into stories and they have to explain like fifteen people and you're like, okay. And then okay, and Jeff. All right. And then yeah. and then Frank. Okay. All right. Like that's a bit much. But Yeah, for sure. I do want to keep li- listeners in mind here. You don't know each other. So essentially mm-hmm. everyone you know, they don't. So true. So unless this is some kind of meetup between friends like, "Hey, Sally, you should go out with her." Like you're going to be like, "Hey, do you know this person?" No. Do you know this person? No. Do you know this person? No. So, like, if you can't talk about anybody you guys don't know, it's going to be very void of other people in the conversation, which, <laughs> just yeah. just saying. Uh, second red flag in this group is not very curious about you. Ooh. Which, I, okay. I again, I would agree with this one to a, a level, you know? Mm-hmm. If they're just if they're not asking questions about you at all, and they're just going on about other things, yeah, I might say they're a little too self-involved. I might say, uh, you know, you might want to look for another person. But again, in this in this uh, situation, Mike, maybe you're boring. You know, like <laughs> maybe it's you. May, maybe yeah. they're like, "Holy yeah. crap! I have nothing to go off of." This person, they try like seven questions at the beginning, they get no response, and they're just like, "All right, mm-hmm. well, let's wind out the clock on this date." You know, yeah. uh, I've been there. I don't know if you've been there, Mike, but I've definitely been there before. I've been on the opposite side, most likely. <laughs> I've been on the other side of this. <laughs> I've been boring. There's nothing. It has happened. <laughs> yeah, I've been boring for sure. Uh, for sure. Next category: personality, Mike. Personality. Mm. Now, this one I found interesting, and I sort of agree to, but I was, I, because I, I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that's sort of true. Wow. So they said, uh, avoid red flag, looks up to the right a lot. When a person pauses, looks up to the right, and says something. And apparently, mm. according to body language experts, that's a sign a person is lying. Yeah. When they pause, look up to the right, and then say whatever they're doing. Like, uh, usually, like, they're pondering. Oh, yeah, Mm. yeah, no, yeah, I'm thinking that might be right. And I was thinking about it, Mike, and I was like, yeah, I I do. When I am totally lying off, I do that, but I don't do the right. Doctor, you just did it. The listeners can't see. You just look to the right. right I will look at the left. (laughs) I will look oh, up to the left. You are I looking at the left. Yeah, my left. Yeah, mirror. And that was, yeah, I wasn't sure when they said that. Is it my left or is it their left? You know? Mm. But I, and I was like, is it because I'm left-handed? Is that why I look up to the left when I'm lying? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> but but I, I, know. I would say any ponderance like that. Of, mm. I'll, I'm not a language, I'm not a body language expert, listeners. But anytime somebody does a lot of these, um... Watch out. And by the yeah. way, I just remembered nobody could say see what I'm doing. I looked up to the left, guys, yeah. when I was doing that. That's a fact. Just watch out for looking up. Next uh, red flag, Mike, corrects your grammar, hmm. which I think this is low-hanging fruit here. You know, this this is for any part of your life in any one. If anyone is like, uh-huh, actually, it's, uh, it's, it's, you before I in that situation. <laughs> yeah, no. You don't want that person in your life anymore. 
There is no reason to do that. You know why there's no reason to do that, Mike? Because you could understand what that person was saying. That's a fact. And unless it's formal writing, you don't need to correct that. So unless it's being published, in your corrections. I don't need to hear them. Yeah, very true. Not not important. Uh, My eight cats and I. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Next category, end of the date. End of the date. So I'll agree with this red flag, too. Uh, pressures you into agreeing to a second date before the first date is even over. Ew. Yikes. Mm. Totally yeah. agree with that one, Mike. <laughs> totally agree with that one. You're just like, what is... No. No, I'm living my life. You are living yours. If mm-hmm. we should see each other again, it will happen. Settle down. We're not gonna... know. Somebody starts pressuring me into a corner... Nobody puts baby into a corner. No, I'm out of there. <laughs> I'm out of there, Mike. That is not happening. Yeah, that's a fact. Mm-mm. Last category, Mike. This is this is sort of like, you know, okay, you've got through all of these things in the date period. Now going the distance. Ooh. Going the distance. Okay. And so uh we've got two red flags on this one, and I, I agree with both of them. I agree with both of these. First red flag. Want to introduce you to their friends or family. 1,000% red flag. One, yeah. there is shady things going on there. Shady thing, And if there isn't shady things, they will mention why they aren't introducing you to the family. It's because they're concerned about their family. It's because they're concerned that maybe the relationship won't last. They're, you know, they'll work with you with that issue. Otherwise, right. it's shady. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're just doing. You're the you're the side chick, you're the side dude, or you know, vice versa. They got other mm-hmm. side chicks going on. Something in those in those ballparks, or they're just a mm-hmm. serial killer. What? Something is going on. You don't want that one. You don't want that one. Nah. Next red flag, Mike. Uh, has a pet name for their car, or worse. A body part. Ew. And I'm on board hmm. with that, Mike. Yeah. I am... A, anytime, like, inanimate objects, it's cool when there's, like, one thing you have a name for. You're like, oh, this is Sally, my doorknob. I don't know why they named <laughs> it doorknob, but whatever. You're like, one thing, you're like, ah, that's, that's funny. But when they got, like, seven <laughs> things, you're like, what is wrong with you? Stop it. So true. Like, no, they're not yeah. things. You know, and then, yeah, when a girl is like, meet the gals, this is Sarah and this is Tiffany, and you're like, what the, stop naming your boobies, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Like, no, no. no, What about plants, Doc G, what about plants? They're they're living things, you can do that. In in my opinion, you can do that. I don't know, maybe Guardian might not agree with that, but in my, (laughs) they are living organisms, and if they're living organisms, that's fine. I'm not a huge namer, but, you know, that's that's up to you. I'm fine with that. But you start naming inanimate objects? No. Yeah. No. Hey, here's Jeff the TV. No, that's weird. Stop that. (laughs) Stop that. Uh, Anyways, Mike, now that we have our red flags down, are you ready to fire up the show that is a forever relationship? Forever. Yes. Forever. Green flag. I am, Green flag I am pressuring you, Mike, <laughs> into the next show. You are the listeners, yes. too. You're all in it. Sync our Google calendars. You can't get out of it, guys. <laughs> all three engines up and burning. Two, one, 
Zero and lift off. Mike, we have a fantastic show. We have none other than the lead singer of the Rex coming on the show, Mr. Nick Anderson. Can't wait to talk to him. Uh, they just started a new tour. They're out there. They're getting it. They're going around. I forget what it is. I think it's like 18 states in a month. Some insanity nice. like that. Yeah. And uh, they're going to be here in Jacksonville here in about a month. So it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. But first, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. That's correct. That is correct. Yes. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you're going to get this one. All right. I like that. New rap. New rap. Uh, okay. Here we go. Born on October 19th, 1992 in Chicago, Illinois. Our birthday suit wearer was interested in rap from a young age. When he was in high school, he started using MySpace and YouTube to try to promote his rap. His third mixtape, Life Ain't a Joke, was a breakthrough success and started getting him noticed. Our birthday suit wearer's uh, debut album, Remember My Name, was released in 2015. And also in 2015, his single, My Beyonce, ended up selling 500,000 copies. In 2018, he released his third album, Sign to the Streets. His fourth album, Love Songs for the Streets, was released in 2019. In 2020, he released his fifth album, Just Cause Y'all Waited 2. Then later that year, he released uh, his most popular single to date with Drake, called Laugh Now, Cry Later. His most recent release was 7220, 7220 which was released this year, featured Gunna, Future, and Morgan Wallen. Hmm. Hmm. Morgan Wallen's song is called Broadway Girls. Name that birthday suit wearer. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Lil Dirk. Lil, Lil Dirk. Dirk. Yeah, you ever, you ever get down on a Lil Dirk there, Mike? Mm, not familiar, mm. no. He's got a couple of songs. I've jammed okay. on a couple of songs. And, you know, anything with Drake, if you listen to any current hip-hop, it's sort of hard. I'm, I know you've heard the song Laugh Now, Cry Later. It's, I probably have, yeah. Just... It's impossible not to. It's got, like, 700 million streams on uh, on Spotify. So, like, it's everywhere. But I will say, Mike, I have caught a song with Morgan Wallen a couple of times. I remember when it first came out this, uh, this, uh, this year. And it's it's popular. It's called Broadway Girls, like I said, and it, it the chorus doesn't make much sense. Nope. The first <laughs> the first time I heard it, I was like, "Hold on a second. Hmm. Hold, wait, wait, wait a second. So the chorus here's here's the, the chorus. I'll read you the chorus. It says, "Okay, there's two things that you're gonna find out. They don't love you, and they only love you right now. If I was smarter, I'd stay my ass home." Which you know, uh, yeah, I, I can see where they're going, but uh, those two ideas don't match, Mike. If they don't love you, they don't love you at any time. Now, later, <laughs> previously, at any time. Yeah. They don't love you, so you don't need to reiterate it, Mike. That mm -hmm. is what is called conflicting conditions fallacy right there. Doc G, thank you for breaking that down for yeah. us. Yes, Just, that's... Just think about it, guys. Just think about it. They don't love you. End it. It might not. It might not work as well as far as the actual yeah. music of it. Mm -hmm. Just saying. 
you, if Morgan wanted to think about it a little bit more, he'd probably... I, I could have been his his logical uh, connection for the, the songwriting. Uh, you got conflicting statements here, Morgan. <laughs> we might need to. Is this as bad as grammar on a first date? I'm sorry. Is mm. this? Are you going to break up True. with me? Oh, no. I'm sorry. Anyways. Yeah. You know, it's about Broadway girls, Mike, in Nashville. Yeah. About Doctor, do you have a uh, like a revision maybe on that? Just a quick you know revision, what? Maybe? Uh, let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna write it down, Mike. Uh, <laughs> let, me get, let me get my notepad out here. Okay. Uh, next week, previously on the Doc G show, I'm gonna have you some uh, some alternate lyrics. <laughs> Alt lyrics. Can't wait. I'm gonna go into the lab with my beats, and I'm gonna come up with what we awesome. need there. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday to little Dirk. He's turning uh, 30. The big nice. trainte. Very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, yeah. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines, Doc G. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Bad news out of Africa. We're starting off with a scary topic, Mike. Uh-oh. Two Ugandan districts, Cassandra and Mubinde uh, have gone into lockdown to try to curve the spread of Ebola. Jeez. Ah, Ebola. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. For sure. Officials say that the uh, restrictions will last at least 21 days, Mike. 50, 21 days. 21 days. 58 people have been affected in the outbreak. Infected, sorry, not affected. Infected by the outbreak. And uh, 19 of those 58 have died. Ah, that's not good. 58 were infected. 19 died. In case you didn't yeah. calculate that, listeners, 30%? that's a 33% yeah. mortality 33, rate. 33, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yikes. Associate's degree, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. I can tell you a thousand percent. If I were in Uganda right now, I would be locked down forever there would be no leaving my house for anything like yeah i was scared enough as far as as far as covid mike if they yeah. told me ebola was coming are you kidding me there would be mm. i would be in a bomb shelter in a bubble people would i would just spray them with disinfectant for 20 minutes before they came in uh, just no no yeah. an illness where you bleed out of your eyes yeah. No. Mm -mm. I love how they always bring it up. Well, not always, but like when they're explaining it, they're like, sometimes there's external bleeding. Like, sometimes that's enough, man. No, like, <laughs> should never be that. Like, you're not yeah. just gonna, oh, wait a second. Am I dripping blood out of my ears? Again, with the uh, blood coming out of the ears. Like, uh, just, gosh. yikes. No. Ah, ah, scary, Mike. Uh, I hope yeah. I hope Uganda uh, gets gets through this, guys. Listen, if you're in yeah, if you're sure. in Uganda, follow follow the the uh, lockdowns. Do not go near people uh, anywhere that has been affected by it. No, listen 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 to the the authorities right there. Mm -hmm. Mike, yeah, we're gonna head sure. to England. Milk pours have been happening in England. Huh. Milk pours. Milk pours. Yeah. Where protesters are going into stores and they just start pouring all of the milk onto the ground. 
and they and they yell out statistics about the problems that dairy farms cause, mainly environmental issues, greenhouse gases, right? Because you know cows yeah. make a lot of greenhouse gases, and yeah, all do. the stuff that runs the dairy farm makes greenhouse gases. Yep, I I get it, Mike. I understand. Yep. It's a very important thing. Uh, I will say I watched a couple of these videos. Their statistics were a little shoddy. (laughs) Again, I don't want to be the guy with Morgan Wallen, but I felt like I should have a notepad like, hey, I just Googled some of your statistics. Huh? Um, But uh, to their defense, Mike, in America, our dairy farms account for 2% of our total greenhouse gas emissions. Which, when you look at it, like, you know, obviously our biggest sector of greenhouse gases is as our transportation. Cars, trains, boats, planes. That's yeah. 29% of our total wow. emissions. I didn't know that. Didn't know but that. when you think about it, too, like, think about how small dairy farms are versus to how many millions of cars, boats, planes, and trains we have. True. So when you Very think true. of how small those those dairy farms are, that 2% is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Pretty huge. But, like I said, I, I get their argument, Mike. It's just the fact that, like, their call to action, right? Mm-hmm. Their call to action was was calling on the government to give us a livable future. Mm-hmm. Which nobody in that supermarket is a legislator of the government. Nope. True. No yeah, one that works true. there can do anything for them. All they're doing is causing a really big mess for the employees of the supermarket. Like, again, don't get me wrong. By all means, I agree with their argument, and I think they should they should continue to bring focus to it. But I really think they should have called the Doc G hotline to get a better idea for their for their protest. Yeah, because that's not doing much. If listeners want to see what I'm talking about, go Google a couple of these videos, and you will see some of the most depressed supermarket employees just watching these people pour the milk like oh i'm gonna have to clean that up oh god can you stop it please stop it i can't do it and like yeah they literally it reminds me if any any listeners know what i'm talking about it's perfectly super bad where McLovin goes into the liquor store and drops the beer on the ground and it sprays everywhere and the guy who works there comes up to him and goes, Sir, did you did you do this? And McLovin goes, No, and somebody should really clean this up. This could be a slipping hazard. And the guy goes, life. That's what these yeah. two people were doing. Like if you want bring it bring your protest to the legislators. Yes. And video that. Yeah. Not these guys. Greta Thunberg, she's, she's got it figured out. She's, she's on she's, it. She's, she's she on understands. it. She really gets it. That's a fact. Yeah. Milk's, milk's hard to clean, too. Like it's It gets it's sticky. Smelly. It gets everywhere. Yeah. It's smelly. If you don't get it all, it's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Mike, earlier this year, Vin Scully passed away. You know Vin? Um, Vin was... Uh, he was the Los Angeles Dodgers play-by-play broadcaster. He was like he had he was the he's the longest play-by-play broadcaster of any sport for any team at any time. Oh wow! Like literally, he went for forty some fifty some years doing it. Might have been even in the sixties. Wow! I can't remember. He started in the fifties and stopped in two thousand sixteen. So yeah, he went a little bit over sixty years doing it. 
He also uh, he also commentated, analyzed some football and golf in there. Uh, he retired at the age of 88 and then passed away six years later, the, earlier this year. You know, and they, they celebrated him a lot on ESPN. He was an icon of sports broadcasting. But this doesn't really have to do with any of that, Mike. This has to do with the fact that I did not realize the kind of money Vin was apparently making. So true. Because this week his house in the hidden hills of Los Angeles went on sale. And his house went on sale for $15 million. Wow. And it's a seven-bedroom house, nine bathrooms, 11,000 square feet, six-car garage, guest house, guest apartment Uh, on a two-acre lot. Two acres in L.A., man. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Like, I had no idea Vin was balling like this, Mike. Like, good lord, he could have been he could have invited players over and they'd be like, I gotta get on his level. Good <laughs> hey, lord. Like, gee, like did you think a play by play announcer was making this kind of money? I mean, when did he buy the house though, Doc G? When did he buy the house? Well, yeah, hey, even, even still, yeah, he true, could have bought it in LA. the sixties. It's yeah, still, it's still like yeah. I mean, true. good lord. It's yeah. just insane though. Like and and eleven thousand square feet. It's 10 times the amount of square foot that I have in my townhouse, Mike. <laughs> 10 times. And I am in a way lower cost of living than he yeah. is. So, like, that is insane. What, what were the, the Dodgers paying him? Either that or he was just saving like a mofo. Maybe yeah. he was saving like Maybe a mofo. Good Who investments, knows? yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I sort of want to see the deets. I mean, I know it's none of my business, but I just... I missed. I feel like I just misjudged whatever they're making. He's like, yeah, I'm pulling in four million a year. What? Yeah. Really? I will announce the <laughs> out of those games for that. <laughs> Bring that job over my yeah. way. People be like, no, we definitely do not want to hear your voice during those games. Understand? No, I think you would have a good announcer voice, Doc G. I think you would have a really, really good announcer voice, like a good play-by-play voice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank for you. For sure. I think I'd have to do just because of the tinge of the uh, of my southern accent. I think I'd have to do uh, southeastern games. Mm, sure, have to Maybe. hit me up with a southeastern conference schedule. <laughs> not no, not hit- that noticeable to me, but maybe to others. Okay. Okay. M- maybe, I'm from the south, maybe, so yeah. Basketball, I could do basketball well. Mm, yeah, uh, get the folks over at TNT, see what mm-hmm. Shaq can do for me. Yeah, I don't know. Shaq's got a lot of money. Yeah, he, he definitely does. buy that house. He could buy like 15 of those houses if he wanted to. Yeah. He's a baller. Yeah, he is. Anyways, Mike, we got one story before we go. This story is from uh, Florissant, Missouri. Missouri. So I've got some bad news for the folks that live in Florissant, Missouri. Especially folks that live uh, and have kids that go to Jonna Elementary School. Because hmm. apparently they found out that Jonna Elementary School has lots of radioactive lead at their school ah shoot yeah not good not good no and apparently this isn't surprising to the folks of the area apparently this is a issue they've had for a long time because apparently uh the st louis area was integral to the manhattan project right where they they made uh nuclear bombs in the 1940s 
Making bombs creates a lot of radioactive waste. They stored that waste at a site near the airport in St. Louis. Then a company called Continental Mining and Milling bought the waste. Why you would buy the waste, I don't know. But they bought the waste and they moved it about a mile away. Apparently that company was like, you know, should we store this properly? Nah, I'll be fine. Yeah. And they just like threw it on the ground. Right? And of course, you can't do that with radioactive waste. So it leached everywhere. It went into the soil. It went into the creek. It went upstream. It went downstream the creek. It's everywhere, including this school. So they just had an independent research team perform radiation tests on the school. And it said, like I mentioned earlier, they've got high levels of radioactive lead. Now, the interesting part to me is, Mike, they go in and explain specifically where they found high levels of lead. And to me, it's just oddly specific because they say inside the building, especially the boiler room, the school library, and on the cafeteria fan. Wait, what? The cafeteria fan? Yes. Yes. Which I got to ask. How do you end up with a load of radioactive lead on the cafeteria fan? Where did that come from? And why not everywhere else in the cafeteria? Why is it just on the fan? It's very peculiar when yeah. they I, that just stuck out to me that I was like, "What? Really? They're not changing the fans?" Fan? Well, I, I, then that was I was like, "That's a pretty easy solution. Can we just get a new fan? Move that one out?" Get somebody in a big old biohazard suit and put a new one in, you know? Yeah. But uh, the president of the PTA said, uh, her name, Ashley Bernot, she said, uh, we should be thinking about fundraisers and bake sales, but instead we're worrying about bomb waste. Yeah. And Ashley, I understand this, you know, that's totally understandable idea. But I will say, and maybe this comes off a little since I'm not sitting knee-deep in radiation. <laughs> but if you're really tied to the bake sale idea, you can always have a bake sale to get rid of your bomb waste. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Just saying. Raise a little money. Hands down, I will buy a brownie for that cause. You know? So true. But, like, they had to have an independent study, and one of the parts of the studies was determining literally, like, where it's coming from. And, like, mm -hmm. it's like doing an independent study to determine how all the people in a town are getting murdered and Mike Myers is standing beside you with a bloody knife. Like, <laughs> it's, it's me. I'm killing everyone. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just like, come on, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways, Mike, we're going to take a break. We will be right back after we hear this fantastic song from the Rex. This is their song, Sonder, right here. On the Doc G Show. All I wanted was some proof that you cared about others. All I wanted was proof that you understand, Sonder. How come your truth revolves around you? I had a lot to say, never came out in the right way. What a petty mistake. You were looking at me sideways. Here comes the truth. It's not about you.
cared about others All I wanted was proof That you understand Sonder All I wanted was proof That you cared about others All I wanted was proof That you understand Sonder Here on the Doc G Radio Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do the listeners need to do? They need to subscribe to the show mm-hmm. and additionally give us a nice review, nice Boom. rating. Yes. Yeah. Amen, Mike. Yes. Amen. Yes. And you know, I think some listeners out there were follow, uh, following our advice. That's a fact. And we need, we need to thank those regulars, Mike. We do. Those, those, those folks out on the streets that are regularly bopping to the Doc G Show in their headphones. we got to thank those people. Here we go. Yeah, we do. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles. I wanted to say Tom's River again. For some reason, I just wanted <laughs> to give Tom's River another another go of it. No, That's I'm right. Sure. Yeah. I'm sorry, folks. All right, Mike, uh, the semi-regulars, here we go. Uh, interesting group. Shout out. Shout out to Hong Kong, Cleveland, Ooh. Ohio, Chicago, Illinois, Liverpool, United Kingdom, Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, Virginia mm. Beach, Virginia, Overland Park, Kansas, Hobbs, New Mexico, uh, Redwood City, California, Casablanca, Morocco, Bogota, Columbia, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Millbrook, Alabama, Saratoga Springs, New York, Dartmouth, Canada, Bangkok, Thailand, Medellin, Colombia. Yes. Nice, cool. Mike. Nice. Nice Love group. That. Good, good, yeah. good internationals in that group. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Appreciate appreciate the listens, everybody. Appreciate we do. the listens. Mike, we need to do something we do often. 
miscellaneous file. Miscellaneous. I've got one thing here in the miscellaneous file. It involves social media, Mike. Mm. Uh oh. Yeah, so I, I heard a celebrity I won't mention who. They've got a very popular show, so uh, I don't need to advertise their show. Nope. Uh, and they were talking about a new app out there in the world, Mike. Uh, have you heard of this? Be Real? No. What is that? Oh, you need to get on, Mike. What are you doing here? You're you're slipping on your cool factor. You got to uh, be in with the kids, Mike. Uh-oh. Be Real, is it's the hottest thing out there in social media. It's so hot, all the other companies are biting off of it, even TikTok. TikTok's trying to mm. bite off of them. Essentially, what it is, is it's a very simplified version. All it is, is like you essentially take uh, a picture of your front camera and your back camera at the same time, and, and that's basically it, of your real life, showing what you're doing, and it sort of forces you, there's like no, you know... You can't do filters. You can't do other yeah, things. Okay. And uh, the celebrity was talking about it, Mike, and they were like, "Oh, I love it. I I absolutely love it because it's real. Word. It is what you are really doing. It's just about you sharing pictures. For all the folks out there that think that sounds a, like a good idea, you need to get this app. And you know, I I gotta say, Mike, I I don't disagree with that. But, but here's a better idea for the folks that agree with that. Hmm. Instead of getting another app, how about you stop posting fake on the other apps? True. Very true. There's an option on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, on TikTok, on all of them to just take a picture and post that picture. You mm-hmm. can do it on every single one. It's capable. And guess what? You don't need another on your phone how about that nope don't need another handle how about that nope just do one i know it's the old man uh side of me but another app okay i don't need another one i don't need to do that it's annoying just be a normal person on your other apps like how about that just saying i mean on our on, on our videos mike i don't do it too much there's there's no there's no filters i'm not making me and you pretty there's no, no filter. It's just a cut from our our show. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. The real cuts, man. I'll add some yeah. things for for extra appeal, but there's nothing. There's yeah. nothing. Out, there's nothing else out there. I'm not showing a fake side of us, Mike. It's real. I don't yeah. need be real to be real. I'm putting it on other things. So get real with us on the other apps, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, real Mike. With our realness. Are you ready to go? And review a couple things from last week's show in a segment oh. we call Previously on the Doc G Show. Previously on the Doc G Show. Mike, I've got three things that you're going to be interested in. Uh, I'm going to start with the one that I actually have listed last. I think you'll be interested in knowing this. Okay. Do you remember the story we had back on September 7th? about the couple that was remodeling their kitchen in England and found a sack of gold coins underneath the floorboards. Uh, How can I forget? It's nice. Treasure. Yeah. Always a good story about treasure. Basically treasure, yes. In the original story, I told you that the coins, if sold as a collection, could make up to $300,000 at an auction. Sweet. Well, Mike... 
They sold at an auction this past week. They sold for $855,000 at an auction. Ah, uh, nice. Wait, Good for those people. Yeah. Talk about a payoff of your treasure. $855,000. That is a nice return for something that you didn't even know you invested. That is nice. So true. Lovely, Mike. We can all cross our fingers and hope we find a sack of gold coins somewhere in our house. Lovely. Yeah. Just buy some super old house. Just uh, (laughs) cross your fingers. It's not haunted. (laughs) Cross your other fingers that you got gold coins. Yes. Okay. So last week, you also, uh, in our show last week, you pointed out uh, that maybe Hugh Jackman was a professor. And you were like, eh. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think he's a professor. He might have been a teacher. Hmm. So I went back and looked at it. And I was correct. And you were correct, Mike. Yeah. He was a teacher. He was a PE teacher at Uppingham School in Rutland, England in 1987 for a year. So he taught PE. Can you imagine a young, chiseled Hugh Jackman being your PE teacher? Oh, man. Amazing. Yeah, he would be a great teacher. If only he had the Wolverine claws back then. Ah, Yeah, right. Talk about some intimidating (laughs) dodgeball. One's coming flying his way. He just slices it into 20 pieces. You're like, oh, (laughs) I don't think we're going to beat that guy. I don't know. We need more balls now. It it touched his claws. He's out. That doesn't count. He did not catch that ball. It touched the claws. He's out on the sidelines. Please don't stab me. I'm sorry. Uh, last one on the previously on the Doc G show, Mike, we brought up Colonel Sanders because as mm. you remember, we had, uh, Colonel <laughs> Hutcherson's birthday. So yeah. you, you said, well, is Colonel Sanders actually a Colonel. And I said, well, yeah, I, I feel like he would be. I feel like, I don't know if it was before he started making chicken or after he started making chicken. Mm. So I looked into it and I know at some point we've talked about this on the show before. It was a long time ago, but I know we've talked about the history of Colonel Sanders. Anywho, his real name is Harlan Sanders. Uh, He was born in 1890, Mike, 1890. Mm. And when he was 16, uh, Harlan faked his age to join the U.S. Army. And he served in Cuba for a few months, and then he was honorably discharged. But that's not the reason he was colonel. Nope. The reason he was colonel was he had a gas station slash kitchen back in the early 30s. This was before Colonel Sanders actually came about. This was well before KFC was in, uh, came about. And this gas station slash kitchen was like one of the most popular stops in kentucky for people on roadsides like everybody in the state knew this place they loved it and so the governor ruby lafoon issued a ceremonial decree that commissioned sanders as an honorary colonel because of his very very popular gas station slash kitchen nice yeah and then after that he started using it all the time colonel and as well as he and should. mike <laughs> just for you i looked at his signature he has Colonel at the start of it. C-O-L. Nice. He would sign things C-O-L Sanders. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mike, also fun fact. Do you know where the first Colonel, uh, the first KFC started? Hmm. Where the first KFC restaurant was? And it's not where you think it would be. It is not Kentucky. Yeah, no idea. Um, 
I'll take a I'll, I'll guess. Uh, Tennessee. Utah. Utah. Yes. Utah huh. was the first state that had a KFC. There you go. Fun, nice. Fast food fun facts, Mike. Fast food. How was it not in Kentucky, though? Like, what was, how was it, why was it in Utah? Well, you, th- so he just you think about it, it there makes and- sense, right? He moved out to another place that doesn't have the, the good s- uh, southern cooking, yeah, and then he's sense. gonna advertise, hey, this is Kentucky right here. This is what you yeah. want. You want this that stuff, you know? But anyways, mm-hmm. it worked out for him. Uh, Mike, are you ready for quick hitters? <laughs> Yes. Okay. I, I'm just saying, I don't think it would work like as a comedy club, like Orlando Comedy Club in Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it could. Hey, if uh, yeah, I mean, if if it's you different. make Orlando comedy good enough, Mike, it will be a good thing. That's a fact. Right? True. Very true. Because, I mean, think about, think about a name, right? If, if you say Dave Chappelle's Comedy Club, people are going to come. Very true, yes. If you yes. say Richard Pryor's uh, Comedy Club, they're going to come. So if you... Or a group of comedians make a spot popular enough. Like, I I could see, right? You think about it, like New York Comedy Club in, like, Las Vegas, that, people yep. would come, you know? And they have one. They have L.A. Comedy Club. There you they go. Have, uh, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't have New York Comedy Club, but they have the New York com- they have the Comedy Cellar, which is a New York thing, but anyway. Does, not, I mean, not, not do, in the they, do they advertise that they're going to be hecklers at that place <laughs> just to make you feel <laughs> yeah, like right. you're in New York? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, Mike, you ready for quick hitters? Yes, of course. Okay, here's here's the headline. Message in a bottle travels more than 100 miles across Lake Michigan. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Mike, I, I think this story should be retitled A Person Littered and It Traveled 100 Miles. <laughs> uh <laughs> Also, that person that made the message in a bottle really went with a lame destination, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know about the listeners, but I'm going to say you go with an ocean for a message in a bottle, not a lake. Like, you're not sending out a message to a person you can easily drive over to and talk to later (laughs) that day. Like, I wonder what they're thinking way over there in Illinois. If there's only one way I could get there, well, you could take this interstate. No, 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 no. I'm gonna send a message in a bottle. Hopefully, hopefully they'll get my message in the next three months. Like that's just, just dumb. Just dumb. Yeah, it is. And if I saw that person putting that bottle in in the water, I'd be like, hey, stop dirtying up our lake, you turd. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, we got a headline from Metro. Here we go. The headline is quote. How to write a better to-do list and actually get stuff done. Hmm. Mike, I will argue to the listeners, if you really want to speed things up, just don't write a to-do list. How about that? Yeah. You can remember it right up here in this thing we call a brain. Hmm. It's fairly easy to do. I've got my to-do list right up here. That's really good for you, doctor. I have to write my stuff down personally. I have to write it all down. I, 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 here's another thing. If you feel like you need to write it down, Mike, one, one word, one word for each thing. It will speed it up way more, way more. Oh, I do have that. It's like two words. There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Headline Mike from NPR. 
Quote, the mm. FDA has officially declared a shortage of Adderall. Word. <laughs> Sadly, Mike, so far no one has realized yet because they can't focus long enough on the title. <laughs> so true. Another, another headline from NPR here. Uh, quote, palm trees in Florida weathered Hurricane Ian's wrath just fine. End quote. Huh? Thank God, said the thousands of people that had their entire lives ruined. Oh, <laughs> woo! The palm trees are fine. Oh, okay. Good. Good. I was worried. Thank God. Yeah. Second, Mike. It's like they're who, designed. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what I said. Who is this article written for? <laughs> who looks at palm trees and says, there's no way they're making through a hurricane? And no way that frilly toothpick is making it through a hurricane. There's no wind resistance. It's just a stick. With a couple of yeah. little frills at the top. Like, that's a fact. You could have a hurricane with 300 mile per hour winds. The, the palm tree would be like, I'm fine. It's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh God, I'm getting a little. No, bit like, you, you, <laughs> come on. What, NPR? You really need to waste time on that? Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than the Rex, Mr. Nick Anderson, right here on the Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are very happy to welcome lead singer of the fantastic band, The Rex, who will be at 1904 Music Hall on November 6th, Mr. Nick Anderson. Nick, how are you, sir? Good. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. You guys just uh, started the started the tour. Got some shows in Colorado. How have they gone so far? Yeah, uh, pretty well. We started the we started the tour in Reno and Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, two different places, if you didn't know. <laughs> um, apparently, two 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 entirely different cities. It is not even close. True, true. Um, that was a that was a start of tour. I'd say starting in Las Vegas. Yeah, um, was very fun. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we kind of got to. You know the shows in Colorado; those are kind of like hometown shows for us. It feels like none of us are from there, um, nor do we have any family there. But the vibe in Colorado is so great. I mean, I think that happens when you put the word Colorado in one of your biggest songs. Um, you, you tend to get a good fan base. There, there you I go. Guess. There you go. Feels like home. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah, Reno. I think uh, somebody's going to have to check me on this, but I want to say Reno. 
the like fun unknown fact about Reno is that it's actually further west geographically than San Diego. If you actually look on a map, it actually is further west than San Diego. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Just a little wild unknown fact about it because it's so far over in Nevada and and California curves in. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right. Okay, wild. See, I would not have... I did not know that. I wouldn't have thought of that. Learn. I have no idea. Also, I never have any idea where I am anyway. I don't know why I'm... Like, we're in Des Moines, Iowa today. Um, I had to teach the guys how to say that for the last week, but I don't know where the is. Des Moines, huh? it It looks like every other city I've been in. Yeah, it's got a nice little uh, hometown vibe there as well. There you go. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you guys, I mean, that's understandable as far as not sort of knowing where you're at. I mean, you guys are 18 different states in a month. That's uh, big time traveling. Mm. Now, I got, I've got, i got one important question about that. Uh, did Static come on tour with you? No, no, he did not. Um, he, uh, I don't think he'd be able to handle the tour. Um, but we do have a dog with us on tour. Our front of house guy, Andrew's dog, Susan. Mm. She's our tour dog. What a, she's she's on the bus. What? What? A, I love. She's a toy poodle named Susan. Yes. I lo- I love animals that have human names. Just the normal human name. Yeah. And Susan is fantastic. Susan. That is a fantastic. Susan's perfect. Yeah. So. Yes. If a little plug, if you want to follow Susan, it's at Susan the Tour Dog. There you go. At Susan the Tour Dog, listeners, get you'll get some great <laughs> toy poodle action. So I guess I guess Static just uh, not not a road dog, huh? No, he's got too much energy. Mm, can't. Um, Maybe when he gets he's older, an Auss- he's an Aussie doodle. Maybe when he gets older, you know, it would take a little bit of training. Um, you know, what, which I was. I was willing to do, but I don't think that I would win that. Um, I don't think that I would win that over, uh, you know, Susan being on the tour. I'm not sure, you know, Susan's not really allowed to, co- you know, hang out with other dogs. Yeah. She's very much, uh, she's very much. Solo uh, rider. Which makes her, she's a pretty, I mean, she's great. She stays in her pouch all day. She's got a little bed at front of house and she sits next to the live console and sleeps the whole show. She's the most well-behaved dog you've ever met. I think if there was another dog added to the equation, it would really throw that off. Could get volatile. That's understandable. And as much energy as Static has, that, yeah, that would make make sense. And when you get a good touring crew, you want to... You want to respect that and keep, keep it strong. Yeah. <laughs> Static, as much as I'd love to add him to the touring crew, I think he could throw off the balance that's Un- been uh, created here. Understandable. Understandable. Now, <laughs> I, uh, one other important question tour-wise that I've got. I noticed uh, you you posted over, uh, over summer there when you finished the last leg of touring, uh, you had a post where you had some chicken wings uh, and a Slurpee from 7-Eleven. And yeah. I got I gotta ask, is seven eleven a regular stop? Do you guys or was that just a, a happenstance? Yeah, no, during during that tour we were in our van. Um or we were in a van. I keep saying our van because we have we own our own van, but we decided not to take it. Uh we were afraid that uh you know, she'd break out in the middle of the <laughs> highway somewhere. Get a more reliable um, rental. Two hundred and fifty thousand miles in two years. Yeah, you uh <laughs> understandable. Um so we, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of how, you, you know, you're stopping for gas every 300 miles and, and, uh, yeah, it's not as easy to sleep through those stops in the summer because the van gets turned off to give gas and then 
you wake up sweating and then you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll get out. On a bus, it stays on. The air stays circulated. Yeah. You can just keep sleeping. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was... I, so I sleep through all of the stops now, which is good. <laughs> Instead of getting out and getting a snack because I can't help myself. Well, I was about to say, when you when you can't help yourself, do you celebrate the whole catalog at 7-Eleven? Because they got all kinds of weird things going on there. I mean, like the taquitos... The the wings. Yeah, I'm not a big the, taquitos guy. Everyone, all the other guys love the 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 um, fill of takis. Yeah, how they love takis as the chips. But like, I like the chicken taquitos. Okay. Uh, but I don't get them when I stop. The only time I get chicken taquitos is on the Seven Eleven app when I deliver, because <laughs> I will have Seven Eleven delivered, and 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 you can get it as a free a free item if you spend over fifty dollars. So. 15, right? I think it's something like that. Yeah. Okay, at first I it's thought you said item. 50 and I was like, "Holy crap, that 50. is a lot of taco uh, that is that is a lot of taquitos yeah. and 7-Eleven right there." Yeah. No, my my go-to is the spicy wings. Oh, nice. Not the buffalo wings, but the spicy wings. Nice. Nice. Is that like a yeah. is like a Cajun flavor in there? What is what's the spice? Um, I don't really know actually. It's, it good. just keeps you coming. You just yeah, got to yeah. you come back every time. I understand. I understand. Well, I've got a 7-Eleven. It's the closest store to my house, so I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. That's They all know me there. That's a lucky one to have closest to your house. You don't want like a yeah. like one time I was beside a, a Circle K. You don't want a Circle K beside your place. That's, no. that's you're, you're not no, living with no. that. Um, no. now I think uh, anybody that sort of keeps up with your career knows you're a, a studio all-star. You stay in the studio all the time when you're not on tour. Yeah, uh, so, absolutely. So when you go out on the road, it's got to be like night and day. It's got to be a huge difference in your day-to-day. When you go out on the road, what's the thing that you would say is like the hardest to get used to? Like that you're like, oh man, it's tour again. What What is it? Well, I kind of, I kind of like crash a little bit when I first started tour because like I sleep a ton mm-hmm. um, and cut all the energy drinks out and like all these things where it's like, it's like all of the like, like, like I don't sleep much when I'm in the studio at home. I just like love to work and I love to like wake up and get going and then work until my eyes are shutting. But on tour, it's more like an opportunity for me to sleep as many hours in a day that the human body could possibly <laughs> be unconscious. <laughs> so that's that's like my goal every day is to like catch up on the half year of not sleep that I'm getting. <laughs> um, big so yeah, it's a, it's, circadian it's cycles massive. are really are are really fluctuating. Then yeah, my circadian cycles are six months each. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, uh, I noticed there's not a stop on this tour near your hometown. So the last tour that you had, uh, you grew up in you, you grew up in Wellsville, New York, and you had a show in Buffalo uh, in the last uh, leg there. What's, what's it like getting to play Buffalo back so close to your hometown? Do you like it? Do you not like it? It's amazing. I love it because uh, a lot of my friends come. Um, it, it's funny because like it's not it's not a market that a lot of bands go to, and it's probably a market we'd be hitting on a tour like this one, where like we're not going to all the most major markets, but we're hitting all the, the kind of secondary markets. And Buffalo, my hometown, is definitely one of those markets. Yeah. So, but it, so 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 it is kind of odd to like play this hometown show and see a lot of my friends, mm. but not be playing one of our like big shows. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like not typically for bands, hometown shows yeah. are the big one. Yeah. 
for me it's like you know the the, the big shows are dallas <laughs> and like denver and it's like these places that are not our hometown yeah but uh it, it, yeah it's funny. like aaron's home is wisconsin yeah you know it's like we go to milwaukee like yeah there's a lot of people coming but it's not you know it's as many as in some of the other markets so it, it's great it's so fun we've got we've got kind of hometown family crowds spread out all over the place and well, in it, jersey and yeah. buffalo and in milwaukee so I was about to say everybody's from a different town so you get a sort of a different homecoming for everybody in the band really so that's yeah a nice balance well i mean so Definitely. obviously uh, when you got started in your hometown as far as music just in general um i i heard one of the things that sort of got you into music was it was an outlet like most people it was an outlet just for how you your your mental state at the time just how you were feeling do you i mean did you when you first started playing was it an immediate realization like this makes me really happy and makes me feel better or was it just sort of one of those things that you naturally gravitated towards i think it's something i definitely something i naturally gravitated toward um not in a lot of conventional ways just kind of like noodling around on my own yeah and it wasn't until i met other people who introduced me to music as a medium for expression mm -hmm. um you know when i was in eighth and ninth grade people were you know i was meeting kids who were you know i was meeting like emo kids and kids who are you know like going to open mic night downtown and for three of those slots three of those 15 minute slots is their friends playing like yeah like brand new covers and stuff you know so it's yeah. like it was and all the rest of it was just like old people playing folk music <laughs> but for like 45 minutes every wednesday a bunch of alternative hipster emo kids we'd flood this open mic night in my in in downtown uh wellsville new york and you know it would be our little spot and and then we'd leave and hang out outside and whatever uh but it was just like it was that it was that community and those people that like made me feel like there's a home within music and yeah and it is a way to express yourself and the like changes you're going through or like um the the emotional mood swings of adolescence and growing up and i think that you know uh all my anxieties and depressions were were maybe heightened you know but like they're, they're typical of a lot of kids that age and i think that it was it was definitely just my healthy outlet and something that saved my life multiple times and, and became you know what you do from then on out yeah <laughs> that as well yeah but it is i will say too the open mic night crowds are always so just eclectic man you get the yeah. the craziest just like this this group this wash like you said you always have those factions of those groups that come together like we're gonna play and you're gonna play and then you're gonna play and then there's the weird like you said just the the old dude that's like got his fiddle that he's like i'm gonna come in i'm gonna play yeah. two tunes and you're like what where's this all right i guess yeah. but it's yeah, that was like the majority of it was awesome. It was like the majority of it was that, and then for like a shining, shining moment for like three years, there'd be like yeah, there'd be fifteen minutes, forty five minutes of just of of like of someone playing a Taking Back Sunday song or something. It was like <laughs> awful too. Everyone just yelling way too loud. <laughs> you really like, like singing singing way too loud in this coffee shop. You really wonder about those old guys with the fiddles, what they were thinking, like what the. Uh. 
happen to oh, our yeah. open For mic sure. night what's going yeah, on definitely <laughs> definitely it was it was great though because like they had like good lighting and decent sound and like really made you feel like you know i'd write a song and i'd be like when i played it in open mic that's what kind of solidified it, it. was uh that yeah it's officially a new song yeah you know and and it, the lighting like really it made it hard to see who was sitting out in the tables and I would get so nervous. I would be, I think I'd be nervous right now to go do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's something in it. It's like, it's like seeing your old principal or something. And you're like, you still, you're a little frightened. It's, <laughs> like, it's still, it's still that old feel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, I think that's what that stage would do to me now. And I, you know, I, I remember I, I get so nervous. I'd like be playing a verse of a song and I would just repeat the same chord progression over and over again. Cause I'd forget all the words and I'd be so, it just me up there just like left out to dry and, not knowing what the second verse was, just repeating the same four chords over again, hoping that they'll come out. And it just taught me to improvise. It taught me to like, it taught me to recognize the worst case scenario. And it taught me to fail. And it taught me to like be embarrassed on stage in front of yeah. people thinking that it mattered the most. And it now that things technically, you know, quote unquote, do matter. Uh, it doesn't feel like that. And it's just fun to mess up and it's fun to script the lyrics and it's fun to make jokes on stage and have people laugh and see you as, you know, take your music seriously, but take everything else around it not so seriously. And it just, it, it, it kind of t taught me to find my, find what made me comfortable about performing. Nice. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Everybody needs that little, that, that practice for sure. Um, well, I mean, along with music, something else that, that brought you uh, a ton of joy growing up, I noticed was, was baseball. From, yeah, from yeah. four consecutive Little League titles on to two sectional titles in high school. Uh, I, I got to ask, like, what do you love when you look at baseball and you look at music? Obviously, they're, you know, two of your passions. What do you, what do you, are there any similarities in what you love about them? Or are the, is it different with baseball? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's kind of heady, but I think there was. Because I, I wasn't the most, I wasn't like the, um, biggest person on the field like because you know even in, in any of the sports i played but like baseball like i couldn't throw couldn't throw in the 90s mm -hmm. right um but i was crafty and left-handed and you know i couldn't strike everybody out but if i gave up a walk I, I figured out how to pick people off mm -hmm. you know like in which is like a part of the game no one thinks about like when there's runner on first and you can throw over and get them out I saw. I saw you have the most pickoffs in in New York history in high school. That's pretty. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Something like that. It's like something like that is like something you. It's just one tiny sliver of the game. But instead, I looked at it and I thought, well, I could make this a big part of my game. And 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 you know, I threw ninety percent curveballs instead of fastballs. It's like things like that, where it's like I'm gonna find my own way to do this thing, and find a way to have success doing it yeah and i think so much of that goes into music as well i think that it's like you know i didn't i've never had i, I didn't grow up with money i couldn't pay to have anyone work with me on producing music or like teach me how or like even get studio time so i just like like started learning how to do it with free softwares on other yeah. people's computers and like that you know i didn't even even producing our band it's like there was moments where we didn't we didn't have the budget to have anyone do it so we do it ourselves or i learned how to do the graphic design myself so we'd have some merch and logos and just all these different like obstacles where it was like okay so if i don't have the resources or i don't have the 90 mile an hour fastball or i don't have the money to put the capital for my band or i don't have even the talent 
I'm gonna find a way to like to like win anyway. I'm yeah. gonna find a way to be successful um, and accomplish that thing or get that project done. Uh, whether it means I got to learn how to edit in Premiere Pro or like learn After Effects or learn how to animate or like yeah. learn how to produce electronic music because I want this certain genre to switch in our music. Like it's all this, all these explorations, all these kind of different ways of winning. And then, yeah, I think you see success in a different light too. You, you, you find it differently than other people do who maybe had more conventional ways of coming up. You, I think we've developed a really passionate fan base and a very engaged one who like, is in on the jokes and in on the music and like, you know, our numbers are compared to some people. Like, I think we do much bigger shows than people with the mm-hmm. same numbers that we have online. Like mm-hmm. things like that. I think all add up to, we found our own way to get here. And maybe, um, maybe everyone has that experience. Maybe a lot of artists feel that way, but um, I can only speak from, from our, ex- our experience in it. It does feel special. No, yeah, it, it, I mean, it makes 100% sense, I mean, in that analogy, when you look at the two, as far as you play with the talents you're given, you find the way to, to yeah. make it the best you can, and uh, I mean, you mentioned, you know, as a pitcher, you're left-handed, and I was thinking, uh, I was thinking about that, do, do you, it, it seems like you're playing right-handed when you play guitar, are you playing right-handed yeah. as far as guitar? Uh, yeah, did, I, that was always natural for some reason. I don't know. Okay, I was about to say, I was wondering, because yeah. I've, I've heard you, and I think it's most of the time when you're frustrated when you're trying to play something online, be like, I suck at guitar. And I was wondering, I was like, you ever try, <laughs> you ever think about hey, switching? It feels very awkward to switch, but I mean, you might you might be right. I noticed that with the drums. Um, I was like, for, forever, I'm like, you know, like people with any sense of coordination or rhythm can sit at the drum kit at least 20 times in their life and then they can play pretty normally yeah like 20 times sitting down at a kit in your life i think you can play beat yeah like if you if you're a musician of any sort yeah. you don't need to sit there and practice forever to to get like just to sit down and just eight notes on little. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i i'm clunky every time and i'm like <laughs> i'm not a clunky person like i feel pretty coordinated pretty like and I don't know, like six months ago, I just, I, I, I flipped the hi-hat. Yeah, and it worked. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah. because I'm a left-handed drummer. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, the drum kit's not an easy thing to switch. It's not something that you can just go, oh, let me try it this way. Oh. I, I was too afraid to switch. I would never have the ability to switch someone else's kit, but we bought an electronic kit. Mm. And so I finally had a second to touch something that didn't belong to someone else and like try to move yeah. it. Yeah. But but yeah, believe yeah, believe me, I I've been a I, I've been a drummer since sixth grade, and I'm left-handed, so uh, I know the problems <laughs> of going over to somebody else's house and then being right-handed and being like, "You play? Hop on!" I go, "Can yeah, I'm gonna have to move everything." You, you mind if I switch? Eh, never mind. Like. But yeah. it's definitely because like that was the same thing I thought because uh, I played guitar for as long as I played drums like that and I play right handed and I'm effing horrible and <laughs> it was one of those things that never clicked until just a couple of years ago that I was just like well I'm so much better with rhythm in my left hand like if I had that as my yeah. strumming hand it would be so much better but. I've never switched over either, mainly because uh, it's not my job, so I just don't really worry about it. But you know, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I was wondering because I was watching you on, on on Instagram and TikTok, and I was just like, ah, it's just 
Is he ambidextrous? Is it is that is he just going you know with it? I, but I I I haven't thinking about that lately though. Like why why like why think I play guitar every day and like I'm like why aren't I getting better at guitar? Yeah. I've been playing every day for years, and I think it's because I don't play the same thing every day. In fact, mm-hmm. I don't ever even perform songs anymore mm-hmm. on guitar. It's just um, little parts. I, yeah, you know what I can't play perfectly is the songs I used to play at open mic night. <laughs> I can play those. Like, I can play those perfectly it's because i actually had to learn them to perform them now all i'm doing is writing recording and then never playing those parts again yeah, yeah. so no tech and i'm changing techniques all the time i'm not just playing power chords or everything it's like i'm changing ways to play solos ways to play bass lines yeah i'm every song I, I want to have a totally different feel and so i'm not even like practicing techniques or scales or i'm just like what is going sometimes i tune the guitar differently because my hand can't reach the chord <laughs> I'm like, like my, like the chord's not possible. So I'm just changing the tuning for one chord, just to record one strum. Yeah. And it's things like that, that are like, it's the new age of making music. I think in a lot of ways, like that is how I, I've had to learn again, making use of what my skill sets are and what I'm able to do. It's like, I cannot, there's a reason why I have an amazing band. Yeah. Like I cannot do these things, but what I can learn how to do is like maybe program drum beats or like how to play these really cool guitar parts if i just take it one piece at a time and really focus on it because i i don't have the time to sit there and get really good at guitar yeah i've got a million songs to write and produce you become you, know, the, so you like, become the alchemist you become the how do yeah. we get this sound how do we put this together what does it sound like instead of becoming just the ultimate shredder Eddie Van Halen guy. I would guy. love to be able to do. I just I grew up writing songs. I never grew up like really idolizing guitar in that. Yeah, way. yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I mean, speaking of your band, uh, obviously, you guys, you guys have been a, a band roughly about six years, uh, and the first single out of the gate, "Favorite Liar," uh, immediately just picks up fire. I mean, Ali Hagendorf at Spotify and Jeff Regan both jump on board. You get all of these streams, you get all of these listens. And I always wonder in that sense, you know, when you had that success out of the gates, do you get a little unreal expectation in your head? Is there these gears that when you start seeing that really fast success and that really everybody loving that song, like, oh man, Oh, here it comes. Or were, were you like, just keep grinding, we'll see what happens? Um, I think it, it had a feeling of like, oh man, here it comes. Mm-hmm. That's definitely part of it. Mm-hmm. But it was, I think it felt more like, like, just like a confirmation or maybe affirmation of like, yeah, this is what, like, like it was almost like a, yes, keep doing this thing. Yeah. You, you know, when you write a million songs and you're just like, not sure what like I, I just have always been chasing what i like and what i want to try to do and to finally get some outside validation yeah it was like oh cool so this is the right thing and and i've always had this i've always had this theory around naive optimism about like being dumb enough to believe that you'll be successful is the only way to be successful because um otherwise you're not going to try you're likely, you're likely not going to you're likely like more than likely like because not everyone can be successful or like be achieve their dreams or whatever it is but um but you do have to think that you can yeah <laughs> like, yeah because if you if, if, if you think that you can if you not even think that you can if you know that you will yeah um 
you make a lot of micro decisions throughout the day to get you there. Like you're less likely to settle into the job or settle into um, school or settle into certain things. You're more likely to take small, small, tiny risks that all add up into the big thing rather than, you know, if you're like, if you really, if you want it, but it's not something you actually think is going to truly happen for you, you're more likely to take those smaller mm. yeah. um, choices of uh, complacency and yeah. uh, things like that, which I, there's no shame of. That's just you. That's why I call it naive. Um, it's like this naive optimism of like, no, well, of course it's going to happen. Yeah. Reality. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that is a, that's kind of what it fell in line with. It was like, it was started happening. I was like, yeah, this was supposed to happen. Not like I deserve this or I'm entitled to this. Yeah. But rather like, this is what I've been, this is the next step. That's, that's the road. Yeah. 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 This is, this is along the road of where we are. Like even, I mean, what we're doing right now, we're playing to six, 700 kids in any city in the U.S., sometimes 12, 1300 headlining with no help from support. Yeah. I'm like, that for me, if that's the end, I'm cool. Yeah. I'm good. I like this is dreams came true kind of thing. You know, like yeah, th- like I, I, I almost, I almost need to tap back into the naive optimism to be like, okay, how do we turn this into four thousand people? Yeah. How so, do we turn this into arenas? Because I don't, I don't know if I even have the aspirations for that. Um, I well, think you- that my naive optimism was like get there and feel validated and feel good about it, and like that's. I don't know. I'm just, it's what I'm seeing is what I wanted well, and, and I, what I dreamed of. And it's, it's, you know, do I, I it would be awesome to play for 4,000 people, but I'm, it's, for some reason, it's not something that is jumping out at me, you know? Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, it's like you mentioned before, your dedicated fan base. I mean, you'll still have obviously a dedicated fan base with those bigger uh, audiences, but you do lose some of that intimacy you were talking about, as far as mm, you know, true. the 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 inside jokes and everything like that. So it's, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, maybe maybe it's, it's maybe it's that. Maybe my uh, I've talked to a therapist about that. Like, hey, why don't I want success anymore? Why don't I want more success? Like, you're afraid of losing. You, you know, it's it's attachment issues or something. I don't know. Got got to work <laughs> through it. Work through it. Uh, yeah. Well, now you guys obviously you had two successful EPs. You had "We Are the Rex" and and uh, "Panic Vertigo," and then you your debut album. It's 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 four years. It was four years in the making, and it gets released just like two months after the the start of the pandemic. And I've sort of yeah, I've sort of wondered about this with a lot of artists in the fact that like. Because there were there were a lot of different mindsets and different musicians' ideas. Is like, okay, how long do we hold on to this? Do we we hold on to it? Okay, do we release it during the pandemic? What was what was your idea as far as the band and and what like were you nervous about releasing it then or was it just like let's get it out there because I'm tired of you know not having this out in the world? Yeah, for us it was really important to release it. I think we had a, I think for a second we were like, what should we do? When should we put it out? But that those conversations were came and went because it was like we all wanted not only for ourselves but for our fans we wanted to give everyone something to put on their calendars that they could believe in and that they could trust because like especially at that time the big switch was that like you just couldn't depend on anything yeah like every event that you thought was going to happen wasn't Everything was getting canceled, and it, it, and it felt like it felt like it was supposed to end soon, mm-hmm. but it also felt like it was never going to end. Mm-hmm. And even even just two months in, it felt like it had been what it feels like now. It, you know, it it felt like it was two years in. It didn't. Yeah. It, it it felt um, 
I mean, I remember weeks in it felt like it was going on forever. And so we thought, you know, our fans have been waiting for this for so long. We've been promising this record for so long. We switched it up because of label switches, because of, um, you know, different recording issues or this or that, the other thing. And writing new songs and our managers being like, okay, actually screw all the old songs. These new ones are better. Like all these things that came up to like stomp this album down. We were like, this thing that is making everyone stop. I was like, this is our, what better time could there possibly be to put out the record that everyone's been waiting for at a time that like, they're begging for some kind of solid yeah. thing to believe in, some something to put on their calendar, something to get out the erasable marker and <laughs> cut down the days. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was really important to us, and and I think it really paid off, and our fan base was, you know, I think we're pretty grateful for that, and we were really happy to be able to share that moment with them, and no one else was putting out records too, so it was cool to like, we felt like we were, uh, felt like we showed up to a of, you know, show to a club, and it was just us and our friends. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely worked out in a lot of ways, and I mean, I, I no doubt, obviously, it's one of those things that after that long, you just want to, you want to release it anyways at, at any time. So, yeah. uh, the most popular song on that album, streaming-wise, uh, buddy, gonna have to blur that out, uh, which you co-wrote <laughs> with Savannah, and I was just curious, how, how did you start working with Savannah? Oh, um, so we met um, right before the wreck started in like 2015, mm -hmm. briefly, um, through a friend. Um, and I knew that she was an artist. I think that they met at like an open mic night, which is funny. Nice. Studio City. Yeah. And, um, and we just kind of were friends on Instagram for a while. And then when I moved into my place, in the valley i like had set up a studio and i asked if she wanted to do some co-writing sessions and so we just started hanging out and doing these co-writes um just kind of seeing how things would work and i just recognized really early on that you know i could i could do the you know uh, you know i could be there for the melody and the you know direction of the song and mm -hmm. her, her lyrical and thematic talents would like work really well with that side of me i mean she could do both she could write an entire song on her own i could write an entire song on my own but we where we separate like with those two puzzle pieces work yeah. really well together of like of like i'll have this grandiose idea and she's like yeah but like this is what your song's about and she'll grab this other thing and come up with this one line for a chorus that like makes it actually make sense and then we rewrite the whole other part because she knocked it out of the park and came up with the you know she came up with the concept for somebody and like all on a whim like we were just you know there's a voice memo of that whole writing session which is great um then maybe one day i should just put that out so everyone can hear how ridiculous it sounded <laughs> um but yeah it was, it was it was just really cool to it's, it's always been great to work with her and it, we've worked on a few songs on the new record and on some songs coming out on the uh, deluxe version it is it is amazing how some people have and again, it's working, like you mentioned before, working to your strengths, her strength of looking at those phrases or that idea or that theme and being like, here's what you need. And like, I always, I know listeners are tired of this because I brought it up several times in other interviews, but I always point to the Eagles as far as that because Glenn Fry was that guy like Savannah that he would come up with just these little teeny things. I mean, he was the guy that came up with the term life in the fast lane. He came up with witchy woman. Oh, nice. He came up That's with funny. lion eyes. And he would be like, 
you know, he would see this thing happen in life and he'd be like, mm, she can't hide those lying eyes. And he was like, you know what? Mm. That's a song. Let's make that a, like, you know, but as yeah, far well. as like the music and the other stuff, he wasn't a big contributor. Usually as far as like it was Don Henley that was writing the the lyrics pretty much always. And it was it was uh, Don Felder that was writing a lot of the music. And so like but you had those little puzzle pieces that worked amazingly together and so yeah i mean it's that's how close you are you're that's it takes that's what it takes between like a good song and a great song too it's like from like a a, 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 a album track to like a hit yeah it's like it's all it's it's that. the difference of two lines it's the difference of like someone who can see it can almost can see the future of the track mm -hmm. you know what i mean they can almost like see what it's meant to be and she has that talent it's, and it's amazing and it's the thing that keeps you coming back because i mean it is such a good concept as far as the song, like nobody usually thinks about it in that backwards way of like, I don't want to break up with you, but I don't like you, so I wish you would screw me over so I can get out of this. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it just, it makes so much sense, which I do have to say, I've noticed that like so many of your songs are on relationships. Like, yeah. <laughs> it makes yeah. me think you've had like 756 bad relationships in your life have you had a lot of bad relationships or is it you're just continually coming back no like i've i've no i've had like two or three since i was like 19 so like in the last like almost decade i've had maybe two or three but like, it's just like so like, in there yeah i mean I've, I've, and i've seen people here and there but um but it's yeah it's just like you can write the same story a, a thousand different ways no oh, yeah um and i think that that's it, it comes from more of that also like yeah it's a perspective switch too like sometimes i'll be the butt of the joke for a whole song because i think that's funny yeah you know like like or like just playing in the nuances of it um or like on, on our last record you know that's all 95 percent of the newest record sonder is about one relationship and it's a more recent one and it's like I was, you know, that's finding 10 different ways to tell that story because I had all these different things to say. And then within those songs, there's all these nuances and expansive ways to express that. And I just, I, I was going to keep writing until I felt like I had finally said everything that I wanted to say. You um, had that cathartic moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, now uh, I want to talk about Sonder because you got the deluxe version coming out. But real quick before that, you did before uh, you came out. Uh, with the album release, you guys over the pandemic two had two covers. You did Rich Girl and, and Psycho Killer. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, what was it? The demand on social media as far as releasing those, or did you guys just decide like, you know what, let's release these? Because I know like you had sang Rich Girl for a while before it actually like I saw some you know live streams there was and a things video, like that. Okay, so yeah, so I put out. Um, the rich girl both of those covers were because we were promoting live streams that we were doing during covid yeah so our first live stream was 70s theme and nice. so we wanted to pick a song from the 70s and so um we picked rich girl which is a tall order but, oh yeah um, i thought <laughs> but i thought you know what i'm i'm just gonna like i'm just gonna have fun with it and and whether you know i'm just gonna make it feel when it make it just feel fun like the song makes you know makes me feel it yeah um and so that's so that was recorded mainly at first to like teach everyone kind of the parts and the arrangement we were going to do and then 
the recording there's like a video of me singing it on uh on like our instagram or my or our tiktok or something yeah and that's just from the night i was doing the vocals so it was just like it seemed uh the thing with psycho killers yeah that just that was just as a way to promote the live stream and then um because uh, that one was Halloween themed, nice, um, and also kind of kind of had an '80s vibe to it, but it was mainly the the, the Halloween aspect nice. to it. And um, so, yeah, they were just they were kind of like just kind of promotional tie-in things from songs we love um, that just kind of fit the theme of a show we were putting together. Rich Girl is amazing. Uh, your version, I, I love it. I mean, obviously, it's 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 oh, hard thanks, it's hard to to top uh, Hall and Oates, but it's it's amazing and. You know, Brandon Flowers from The Killers, uh, he says everything that you need to know about writing a pop song is in Rich Girl. And really? That yeah, was nice. That was his quote on it. He is he is absolutely in love with that song. And I mean, it is. It's one of those ones that, like, you find yourself, like, two hours after listening it, still just singing it over and over again. You're like, oh, yeah. it's, it's in here, man. It's in here. Um, yeah. Well, now, Sonder came out June 10th. All kinds of good tunes. Where are you now? Uh, Lone Survivor. I love seeing the behind the scenes, and it's it's sort of like you you were just talking about as far as like you getting focused on these parts because you put a, a, a video out on Instagram right after you guys released it, and it just shows like that passion, that drive you have. You're out you're out in in the yard stomping on leaves, and like girls coming by, and she's like, oh. Um, you can tell she's like totally confused. Like, she's like, "Did it? Did I?" And you're like, "No, no, you're good. You're good." Like, yeah. Do you? Do you? I mean, you obviously love it to some degree, but do you love those little details of just like figuring them out, or is it something that's just gonna eat away at you? Like, it's one of those things that it's like obsessive. Like, oh God, I gotta oh. do this. Yeah. No, the answer is both. <laughs> <laughs> um, the answer is both. I love doing it, but man, I, it eats me alive, one hundred percent. There are moments that I'm just like, and it, and it never feels like I have enough time, and it never, you know. In but sometimes when I have deadlines, I finally figure it out. Uh, it, it's it's it was tough, especially with Sonder, where I was working on it so isolated. I didn't have anyone to bounce ideas off of. Mm. So so much of that was just like figuring it out, figuring out that whole album each arrangement each piece of it like until it felt good to me until until my ears were tickled in the right way or i didn't want to pause it and stop and redo something and, yeah and the thing was like yeah putting a mic outside and stomping on leaves is because i'm going this song is so boring that it needs it needs me stomping on leaves to make it good like that's where that's where my brain gets to where it's like this song is so it has no ambience and i went out there just to get some like I was like, oh, well, what if I just hear someone walking through these? I'm like, oh, but what if it went with the percussion of it? And then I'm just out there stomping on stuff. And then I've got my broomstick and I'm sweeping the ground with it. Like it's a like it's a musical or something. <laughs> and so it, it just it's it's all just an exploration. And, you know, I don't I don't even know if I ended up using. No, I did. I, I ended up using the broom sounds, you uh, sweeping some leaves outside. Uh, and it's like a nice yeah nice. like that kind of like nice percussive thing in our song ugly side yeah um so i ended up using it but yeah a lot of that stuff is just to it's just to stay inspired and get out of my head and and stop 
stop looking at the screen for the song and try to get out into the world and find it, you know. It, it works. It works. Um, well, now the deluxe version is coming out here at the end of the month. Um, and what would it make? What made you guys say, you know, let's go deluxe edition instead of like releasing these songs in an EP or something like that? Was it they just felt too connected to the album? No, because I wrote new songs <laughs> for for the deluxe specifically. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I think that it was more like, it's more like we want to extend the life of the record a little bit longer. Um, you know, because we've got this tour, which is an extension of the first tour, and it's yeah. named after the, after the song Unholy, which is on the record. Um, it just made sense from a marketing standpoint, it makes sense from like a, from a, a, a listeners and a fans point of view too, that we're, you know, the vinyls aren't, because of the shortage and the back backup stuff on vinyl orders, like, we're not even getting these shipped out till November. The things that order people ordered in June. Yeah. So like people are going to be receiving their vinyls and you know uh, getting a lot of their album merch and all this stuff during this fall. And it's like you know we to then be putting out an EP that isn't connected would feel yeah. It would feel like you were Disjointed. cheating on that record a little. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like it'd be like we're not ready to sorry we're not ready to move on from it. You know. Yeah. So it was um. So yeah, I, I did a, a couple acoustic versions. I did an acoustic version of the song "Normal" and of our song "Sonder," um, and uh, and we have a couple remixes from our friend Molly Otto mm-hmm. for "Lone Survivor" and "Dystopia." That's mm-hmm. gonna be really cool. And then um, and then there's three three new singles, I guess you would say, like three new songs that are one of one of which just came out as a single. And then there's there's two that I just I wrote. Because I had a, a couple other pieces of the story to tell, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I mean, there's so much more I wanted to say, but these these two fit well, and I didn't want to revisit any demos or anything. I just wanted to write something fresh. Well, now I, I've got to ask: you posted on TikTok and Instagram a song that didn't make the album. Uh, I titled it "Your because that's what the chorus is. Um, is that going to be on the deluxe, or can you tell us that? Yeah, it's called Soapbox. Soapbox. Is, and it's going to be on there? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, fantastic. That, I mean, that... I, I just I just approved the mix this morning, actually. That had a uh, that had an amazing response. Were you super happy when you put that on there? Because, I mean, you definitely got a really good response as far as uh, the, the fans really enjoying that one. Yeah, I mean, I rarely post on, on TikTok. Only when I think a, a song or a moment is special, like something new I'm working on. Yeah. And... Yeah, I felt good about that track, and I thought, I'm I like, well, if I like it, I think other people are gonna because I, I really hate most of what I'm working on most of the time. So if I like it, it's got. I'm like, that's the only thing I've learned to trust. You yeah. Know, I, there's so many question marks when you're your own producer and your own like. There's so many question marks, but if you just don't, if if the music gods are telling you, hey, you like this thing, you're like, oh, cool, okay, maybe I'm gonna trust that. And yeah. So, yeah, I just posted that like verse course up. People really seemed to like it, and it it was just another affirmation of like, yeah, trust your gut. Like what, you know, the things that you like. There's a reason you like it, and um, you know, I, I maybe don't hate hate everything you make <laughs> at the time, but it's definitely good to recognize when you like it more than the rest. Don't be so negative, hard on yourself all the time. Um, yeah. I gotta ask, you think any uh, the the uh, person in that song? Do you think they've realized they're that person on the song, or do you think they're oblivious? Yes. 
Yeah, okay. Okay. Just, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty specific coffee well, order that I, it starts with. <laughs> that's what I mean. You know, I was wondering if they would just be like, you know, like just completely uh, burn all bridges so they didn't know or not if they had checked up on it. But if you're saying if they've listened, they definitely know. No, I think I got blocked on TikTok after I posted it. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> that would be your answer there. That would, yeah. Okay. Well, Nick, yeah. I, I think we can all aspire to not be the inspiration of someone's uh, soapbox song. I definitely say yeah, I yeah, can yeah. I can try not to be that person in life. Uh, but, Nick, we are up against a break. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you for the great questions. Uh, wonderful interview. I really appreciate it. For sure. Listeners, keep an eye out for the deluxe version of Sonder. It's coming out October 28th. You can keep up with all things The Rex at www.wearetherex.com. Right now, let's listen to that newest single off the deluxe, uh, Things You Make Me Do, right here on The Doc G Show. I make a brush and Tell me what's the use, my love 
Here on the Doc G Show, you just heard the Rex Nick Anderson. Fantastic fella there. Great band, Mike. Doing their thing out there on tour. Always just a, you know, it's a, I feel like it's a ball of emotions out there on the road. You know? Yeah. It's just the highs and the lows going out there, getting it done. You know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Nah, but, you know, you're right. You get really amped up after shows and then you have to kind of come down off of that and yeah it's, it's and it's then it's like of... the next day you're traveling you're like what am i doing yeah what is this how many people are going to be at the next show is it worth it what is this yeah. going mm-hmm. you can't stop it you gotta just mm-hmm. you, the, the, you can tell nick is just he's obsessed man he's obsessed yeah. on his on his passion of of uh of of mainly i mean of writing music that's right it's like i mm-hmm. mentioned in the interview watching him the behind the scenes stuff that he posted on uh social media of him like putting in sound effects doing dubbing doing vocals like all of these different things just like you could tell he just been in the studio for hours just like yeah all right, what if i do this what if, oh wait yeah. what if i put this in there like it's that obs- that obsessive mind, man. It's crazy. It's wild. Yeah, I love it. Anyways, great band, super fantastic. Uh, we are going to go on though, Mike, to the hottest segment in the world. Doc G top three. Woo! Mike, I did a, a very broad topic here. This yeah. was. I realized, and I was like, man, this might have been a little bit too much. Girl, come on! This might have been a little bit too broad. Because I just, as I was trying to come up with uh, different things, I was like, you know what? I got way too many. I got way mm-hmm. too many. Yeah. So, now, our topic, for the listeners that don't know, uh, would be favorite outdoor activities. Favorite outdoor activities. So there's a ton of things, Mike. First yeah. of all, I will give a couple of my honorable mentions that didn't make it. Paddleboarding. Uh, I got to be on a smooth oh. lake. Love nice. paddleboarding. I'm that. not a huge fan on rough seas. Don't mm-hmm. put me out there when it is turbulent and it is windy. No. No, F that. Yeah. I'm not going out in that. But on a nice crystal smooth lake, ooh, it's like you're just floating over that water. It's really nice. Yeah. It's really fun. That, it really looks nice. fun. I've never done it, but it looks great. It's it's a real nice time, and then you get yeah. you get lazy, and you know you're like, you know what? I'm gonna take a nap, and you just lay down on your paddleboard and just float for a while. Just, Sweet. Just very getting some sun, hanging out, you know. And yeah. then you're like, I'm a little hot. I'm gonna jump in, and you just jump in, and then you get back on your board. It's nice. It's really yeah. nice. That's great. Uh, beach hammock lounging. That's another one. It's got. Mm. It's love it. Love it. Got to have a nice nice breeze. Got to be in the mm-hmm. upper 70s, lower 80s. Ooh, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, real nice. Casual sure. afternoon run on the beach. Love that, too. Uh, not like yeah. not not like a serious workout run, but just like a, you know, just a little just a little jog. Just a yeah. little out there. I, I turn on some uh, early 70s uh, soft rock while I'm doing oh, okay. it. Oh, okay. nice. That's nice. the move. Yeah. yeah. 
casual frisbee toss on a Ooh, warm summer okay. night. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Cook it Definitely. on an old school grill outside. Love that. No, oh, yeah. man. So just a couple honorable yeah, you mentions, can't beat, Mike. You can't I can the grilled. Yeah, sorry. I could keep going on all of those, but those yeah. are just a couple of my honorable mentions. Mike, do you have any honorable mentions, or do you want to get it straight into the third? Well, I'll say like, uh, yeah, um, kayaking is awesome. I've done that in the past. Uh, I've only done it a couple times though, so I can't say it's like a favorite activity. You know, I did that. I did kayaking in the ocean one time. It was pretty wild. Um, mm. And uh, also volleyball in large groups of people. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, beach volleyball. I forgot that one. Oh yeah. man, that oh, is fun. a good one. I mm -hmm. screwed up on that one. Should have had that one. My bad. Oh, that is my bad. Girl, come on. What's your third though, Mike? Number right, three. So, number three. So this is an outdoor activity, but it's not during the day. I like to, and especially out living out here in Nevada, mm -hmm. I've looked at light light pollution maps, and I will go to the darkest area of that mm -hmm. map on a like uh, what do you call it? Uh, not what's the opposite of a new moon? Uh huh. What's the opposite? So where it's really dark, especially during the winter. Yeah. Look at stars. Look at the sky. Oh. I love that. I will drive hours to go do that. Yes. Sky, sky watching, star sky watching. Yeah, star just watching. lovely. Yes. Star, uh, star gazing, I guess star we could gazing. say would be. Yes. Very it's nice. Amazing. Incredible. Incredible. What about you, Doc G? That makes me feel a little bit isolated, honestly. I mean, <laughs> I like it, but it makes me feel like just so insignificant. I'm not a huge yeah, fan of feeling like that. I love like that, that feeling. It might, be the, it might be the narcissism in me that I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I can't be that little. Come on. I am yeah. that little. Yeah, Just a speck a of dust. Speck uh, of dust. Mike, my number three, it's a little bit like you said earlier, basketball game on a blacktop. Ah, yes. Basketball. Out, outdoor Definitely. basketball on an old school basketball court. Love it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you knew this about me, Mike, but I had a basketball a league for a year. That's a fact. Where no, we, it was all that. outdoor basketball. Is the Doc G Basketball League? Yes, and that sounds uh, awesome. It was pretty fantastic. It was uh, very, uh, very intensive. It took a lot of, a lot of work, but it was also fantastic. I, I, it involved tunes. It involved yeah. basketball. It involved Gatorade. I brought out Gatorade for everybody. We always had Gatorade. It was nice. Big That's old basketball drink. Yeah. 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 Get ready for it. Lemon lime Gatorade. Good yeah. tunes and good hooping. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Nice, Mike, you're number nice. two. Uh, number two for me. New one over the last couple years. Mm -hmm. Hiking. Mm. Hiking specifically in the mountains. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hiking in the mountains. Amazing, uh, beautiful awesomeness. I guess I, I, will, uh, I will save it. Uh, it's very close to my number one. So true. Uh, so I'll bring, there's a little bit of a twist I guess I have on okay. mine. Right. Um, but my number two, spontaneous game of keep away in the pool or lake. Okay. Uh, so much fun. That's right. No idea Literally, uh, I've told, I, I tell people all the time, but one of the most fun things I've ever done in my life was hmm. playing a spontaneous game of keep away in the pool at a pool party we had for the gym that I worked at. We played two hours in a row of this game. We just spontaneously split up into teams and we're going at it for two okay. hours. 
Just so much fun, Mike. Just really? so. What but, is keep away? I don't know what this is. You just got a team, and all you're doing is keeping the ball away from the other team. You throw oh, it to another person on your away. team, okay. Okay. And, and they try to steal it from you. And when they steal it from you, then you're trying to get it from them. And that's all we did for like two hours. It was just, oh my God, it's so much fun. That's great. You know, it's one of those things though, Mike. You know what the key to it is? Spontaneous. Hmm. Spontaneous. I couldn't organize that right now. If I got like 15 people and were like, hey, we're going to do this in the pool. They'd be like, this sucks. And they'd be right because it'd be organized. And they'd be like, nah. Yeah. Yeah. Spontaneous. It It just multiplied out of nowhere. And we're just all just caught up in the in the in the rush in the rush of fun mike in the rush of fun that's amazing mike what's your number one uh number one for me doc g you maybe you know maybe you don't know but rollerblading skate parks going aggressive skating specifically i am a fruit booter i love going to skate parks and i love rollerblading i do this like every sunday usually we have meetups every sunday and thursday yeah yeah you got some pretty bad moves man I and I mean that. bad in a good way. Yeah, yeah. thank you. This is nice. A long time, so all those like. Oh, it's wild, man. I, yeah. see, I see. I see some of those videos you post. You're doing turns and flips and grinds yeah. and just all kinds of nutter butter stuff. I would have. <laughs> I would have broke like 17 bones by now already. Yeah. Just oh man, this is a, no way I could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick story about uh, half pipes, Mike. Uh, I went to a friend's birthday party at a young age. This was like, mm-hmm. I think like at the end of elementary school or something. And I had my blades on and I was like, all right, I'm going to go down this half pipe. <laughs> and this was a, this was a really, really crappy, uh, uh, skate park. Literally okay. this half pipe was made out of, and I'm not making this up plywood. Huh? It was Where a, was it? Where was in, it? Dude? In Virginia. Virginia. In Virginia. And uh, I went down this half pipe, and as soon as I started going down it, I thought, eject. No, I don't like this. (laughs) I went went off, you know, and in the complete bad move, I was like, no, just slide. And so I tried to slide plywood. That plywood went up my so bad. I was pulling out splinters like this big. Just horrible. Horrible. Never tried that again. Even even though I know concrete is not going to do that to me, never did it again. Was like, nope, not again. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's got to be horizontal grain on the wood. From then on, I just, I just, uh, just casual cruising on the, on the blades. Just casual cruising. That's nice too. Yeah. My number one, Mike, is your number two. But I, like I said, I'll add the twist. New spot. New, new spot. You, you got to go to a new place that you haven't been before. It's so exciting, right? Yeah. You're, you're going through the hike. You're like, what's that? Oh, what's go? Oh, my God. Look at that over there. Yeah, like you're yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You're seeing things. You go around. You turn a vista, and it's just this, this view that you weren't totally expecting different. that you're like, yeah. holy crap. Look at that. Like, mind-blowing stuff. You're walking. You see a little animal. You're like, oh, what? Look at that Nature. guy! <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just a, it's yeah, it's a great time. Yeah. You feel all connected to the world, like mm-hmm. even though there's all kinds of insanity, you're like, well, nothing could go wrong when I'm seeing this. This is nice, yeah. 
right? Something about that. What is that? Time dilation. There's all the. There's so many things going on when you're out there. Don't overthink it, Mike. Yeah. No need to overthink okay. it. Okay, that's just true. Just be in the moment. You know, just love Impossible, it. actually, for me. Is that I, I overthink <laughs> everything. Uh, I'm right there with you. I try yeah. not to, but I'm right there with you. I'm sure a bunch of our listeners are there too. That's a fact. But yeah. Anyways, Mike, that has been the Doc G Top Three. Next week, I've, I've honed in a little bit. Next okay. week. Okay. Next week, top three favorite memorabilia you own. Sweet. I love this. I love top this. Top three, and it can be from any, you know, any genre, any class. What's your favorite three memorabilia items you have? As you can see, Mike, I've got I've got things. You got I've some, got things you got some memor- memorabilia. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I've got I've got two of them I know that are gonna reach the top. I don't know what the third one is. I gotta mm. I gotta think about it a little bit. But we'll yeah. get there. Think about it, listeners. Get your top three going there. Mike, we're gonna move on to our birthday suits. We've got two of them left. What do you want? Do you want the actor? Do you want the boxer? Hmm. Let's go with the boxer. All right. Born on October 19th, 1962 in Atmore, Alabama. Birthday suit wear was the youngest of nine children. Mm. At a young age, our birthday suit wearer's family moved to Atlanta, Georgia. At the age of seven, he picked up boxing. He became an extremely accomplished junior boxer. By the age of 21, he had a record of 160 wins and only 14 losses. He became a professional in 1984. He was supposed to fight Mike Tyson for the title in 1990, but before he fought Tyson, he was knocked out by Buster Douglas. Tyson Uh. was, not a birthday suit wearer. A birthday suit wearer beat Buster Douglas and became the world heavyweight champion. He retired from boxing in 1994 because of a heart condition, but then started boxing again in 1995. He finally fought Mike Tyson in 1996, our birthday suit wearer beat him in an 11-round victory. Then in 1997, he fought Mike Tyson again. In the third round of that fight, Mike Tyson bit our birthday suit wearer's ear and was disqualified. Our birthday suit wearer ended up winning four heavyweight titles. Only fighter to win the heavyweight title four times, four separate times. Name that birthday suit wearer. Vander Holyfield. The real deal. Yeah. The real deal Holyfield. There yeah. it is. Yes, indeed, Mike. Interesting character there. Yeah, he is. Holyfield. Definitely. He, uh, man, I'll tell you, he was usually undersized, uh, but that guy was a warrior. That's a fact. That dude, every single fight, like, he was just in there. Like, man, the damage that had to go on in his body. No, thank you. I would have stopped after one fight and been like, never again! <laughs> never again! Yeah. Uh, he just, uh, just all all the time, just going at it, man. I don't, I still don't think he gets the credit he deserves, as good of a, a fighter as he was. Uh, no, I think so. You know, like, I forget what, the, I forget, I didn't even post it because it was so depressing in, in the write-up, but, like, I think the Ring Magazine put him at, like, 81st best boxer of all time or something what? like that. Get out of here. No way. And I was, yeah, I was like, man, I, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. But anyways. All right, Mike. Happy birthday to Evander Holyfield. He is turning uh, 60. That's right. Wow, 60 for Evander. Nicely done. Hopefully lives a long, long life. 
Mike, next birthday suit wear, born on October 19th, 1966. In Queens, New York, our birthday suit wear went to the Bronx High School of Science, a school for gifted students. After graduating, he ended up going to Queens College, but dropped out just a few credits shy of graduating to pursue a career in comedy. While in college, he got the nickname Johnny Hack because of his good <laughs> skills at Hacky Sack. Yes! Sweet. Yes! Around 1994, he moved to L.A., and in 1996, his breakthrough movie Swingers came out, which he wrote. In 2000, he made his director debut with the movie Made. Then he was the director of the movie Elf with Will Ferrell. Then in 2006, it was announced that our birthday suit wearer would be the director for the long-awaited Iron Man movie which he produced all of the or directed all of the Iron Man series. 2016, he directed and produced a live action Jungle Book. In 2018, he wrote an executive producer of Star Wars series Mandalorian. Name that birthday suit wearer. I'm totally guessing here and I don't n- know exactly, but is it like Farv Farv something? Y- you're close. You're close. Yeah. John Favreau. John Favreau. Yes. You were on the right line. You were yeah, thinking correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he's definitely you look up John Favreau, you'll be like, Yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. I know that I know guy. Who he is. Yeah. He makes all kinds of little cameos in his movies. He's mm-hmm. in different movies. He was in like the breakup. Uh he's done a lot of things with Vince Vaughn too, like because yeah. uh, they're really good friends. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's produced several of uh of vince vaughn's movies and then he's also played in several of those movies so you know he was in uh uh, uh i love you man too the movie i love you man he was the uh husband of one of this uh the 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 girls in the movie and he gets thrown up on by paul rudd pretty great <laughs> yeah 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 uh but uh yeah john favreau he's all over the place man yeah he is amazing. uh i didn't know he's a director like that Producing. Oh, yeah, done. I mean, that's where he does most of his work, is directing and producing, you know? And yeah. he's, he's much lighter on the acting, much more on the producing and directing. Hmm. But anyways, he is turning the uh, big 5-6. Five, 5-6 six. Five, six. Six for John Favreau. Happy birthday, John Favreau. Happy birthday to Evander Holyfield. And happy birthday to Lil Dirk. Yes, Lil Dirk. indeed. So true. Mike. We have some fantastic shows coming up next week. We have Daisy, the great, a fantastic pop band coming on the show. Uh, Mina and, uh, and Kelly coming on the show. Can't wait to talk to those two. It's going to be fantastic. I'm working the details out of a couple of other shows, but I'm going to keep it on the down low, as yeah. we know the rule, until it mm-hmm. gets solidified. Yeah. I can't let the cat out of the bag. For so, sure, for sure. We're holding on to them. But, Mike, we need to stop. We need to wrap the show up. It has been a fantastic show. But until next week, I have been your host. With me, as always, the one, the only, notorious, Mikey Maximus, the Fernicus, Charette. Doctor, thank you so much for having me. Great time. Good times. Now, now do, I need, do I need to put your AA before or after the name? I don't know. Because it seems a little long afterwards, like Charette. AA. Like, that doesn't make, you know? Yeah, no, I think you got to do it before. I think it sounds better before. Like the notorious AA holder? Hmm. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. maybe. I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I'll work it out with my lyrics. My yeah. alternate lyrics of a little Dirk song. <laughs> uh, until next week, guys. Zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah. Zippity-doo-dah. <laughs>